0: and Welcome back to White Noise. We hope you've enjoyed our seven days of horror so far. Today we're going to be talking about something that no white noise or Halloween is complete about and that is queer horror. Of course we've spoken about queer horror quite a few times on the podcast but today is more about honestly horror that probably contributed to us being queer. So they're slightly different for me and Liana because I got into horror a little bit later than she did, or at least as intensely as I'm into it now. So yeah, I've got a list, Liana's got a list, they did cross over, and for me as well, I have like a few honourable mentions that I didn't grow up watching, but ones that I know for a fact probably would have made me realise a lot sooner if I just had. So I don't know if you want to go through your list first. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so mine is interesting, because I didn't necessarily grow up on queer horror, I found some stuff later on. But if I'm going to say the ones that I kind of like kind of shaped me, they would probably be like Hellraiser, Scream, Fright Night mm-hmm. and Night Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And then I've got See, those are my, my
0: honourable mentions. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. my honourable
1: mentions are kind of either newer or newer to me. And those are Raw, uh, Fear Street Trilogy, uh, Psycho slash Rope. I've just both, you know, Hitchcock, um, Bride of Frankenstein, Felmer. Uh, the films of James Whale. So that would be like the old Frankenstein, Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein.
0: Mm-hmm. The one I'm actually curious about to hear about first is Elmer, because it's kind of bringing a bell, yes, but I'm not, I can't, nothing's coming to mind.
1: I think it's Swedish, if I remember correctly. No, no, no. It's Norwegian. It's by, I think it's by Joachim Trier, who did The Worst Person in the World. And people are always like, oh fuck, you did like a horror film? like mind blown um, and it's so interesting because it's very reminiscent of cat people i don't know if you've ever heard of cat people
0: again ringing a bell but no um,
1: it's like it's like very clearly lesbian horror film which mm-hmm. uses metaphors you know to indicate lesbianism and it was made during the Hayes code era so essentially it's about when this woman whenever she feels desire she turns it to a cat and people and it's so okay. clear it's a metaphor for her being a lesbian yeah and Thelma really kind of like riffs on that but it's less like horrific and it's more like an awakening so it's kind of similar to Raw in quite a few ways it's like discovering something about yourself very similar to Ginger Snaps as well it's just about a girl who comes from like a kind of like religious not religious but like strict family and she starts like discovering new things about herself. She you know has all these new experiences, like trying drugs and all. and she just kind of like embarrasses herself. She's like a bit socially inept and she doesn't she doesn't quite at first understand that this obsession with this girl is like her liking her, you know, mm-hmm. and she she the whole point is that she kind of has like these telekinetic powers, so very similar to Carrie as well. It kind of like takes inspiration from a lot of stuff, but it's very much its own thing. Mm-hmm. I think you would really like it
0: it's just interesting you also mentioning like raw and ginger snaps when you're talking about it because it's just made me realize how like a lot of queer horror is also rooted in body horror
1: yes so a lot of people often talk about this in like reference to say like transness and transitioning so like mm-hmm. the werewolf is a very like a very strong metaphor for being trans you know yeah. or gay and it's really interesting when you think about like ginger snaps it seems so gay and you're like Mm -hmm. but it isn't but why does it feel gay I
0: mean we said in our ginger snaps episode as well that like the fact that lycanthropy has been traditionally uh, assigned to men makes Mm -hmm. no sense to us whatsoever it is ginger snaps like if you don't agree with us then you've probably never seen ginger snaps Mm -hmm. like it just makes so much sense that lycanthropy would be a metaphor for women transitioning through puberty and then also, yeah, just queerness in general.
1: Yeah. And then trans individuals transitioning as well. And it just it all comes together and makes sense. So when we say like queerness, we're also talking about like more of like the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily just about being like you know, your sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Like, this is mostly what me and Sky are going to talk about because we're both cis women. Mm-hmm. But, like, some of the films we're going to talk about also going to touch on that slightly, but we're not going to delve too deep because we are not the people to be yeah. diving into that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I'll put recommendations probably on Twitter and all for people you should watch talk about those things. Mm-hmm. But I've been watching, um I don't know if you've seen it, that Queer for Fear documentary on Shudder?
0: No, I haven't. Do you know what? I... So last um, Halloween I got a Shudder subscription because of all the episodes that we were doing then. Yeah. Um, but it was like the f- obviously the free one, and then I didn't because there are so many streaming services. Yeah. Like yeah. Me. But like, so I didn't keep it, but like I keep getting adverts for it, and I think I'm gonna get another Shudder subscription. Log is getting so good now. It's getting, getting well, really good.
1: The Original content is so good because like they actually a lot of the people involved in it and that have money in Shudder mm-hmm. are like filmmakers themselves horror filmmakers who have a lot of connections to queer horror filmmakers and Mm. like horror filmmakers of color and stuff and so it's like you get all these interesting perspectives in their documentaries just quickly
0: while we're on the topic if shudder at any point wants to like be our first sponsor that would be fantastic we would sing your praises i
1: am manifesting you don't (laughs) understand i am going to be plugging shudder so much (laughs) (laughs) putting out these episodes but honestly like if it wasn't for Shudder I wouldn't like know about a lot of this stuff I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about today because I've been watching that queer fear documentary and because of stuff like history of horror that they've done so like if you're gonna take anything from this episode just know one me and Sky are both massive fans of gay horror two you need <laughs> each other you need it in yeah
0: your life. <laughs> I get like all of my like Shudder content diluted through you or I get it through like uh, video essays on YouTube and things mm. like that because as we're just proving Halloween, you know, the <laughs> the queers awaken, <laughs> we come to life. And, you know, we've done our Gates and Ghouls episode and things like that. And we're not the only ones, mm-hmm. you know, there have been many um, YouTubers, influencers, podcasts that have covered it, because it's ju- it's just true. Like, it's nothing new that horror and queer are so closely related. But this is why I think we wanted to get like a little personal today and just talk about the ones that really hit us mm-hmm. so like for me it was um so my on my list it's like uh so Death Becomes Her was a big one it's one that I watched when I was younger and didn't actually think about being so influentially influentially apparently I can't speak yeah. about being queer yeah. um until I really like I was sitting thinking about okay so what films did I watch because I honestly thought at one point I didn't really have any because I didn't watch I apart from the films that you let me I didn't really watch any films that I would have considered queer, either explicitly or undertones. But Death Becomes Her was one of them, and then obviously we've also got Jennifer's Body, which we've spoken about quite a lot. I watched that not when it came out, but I was still quite young. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of counting any films I watched pre coming out, really. Very Um, well. So there's also then Rocky Horror, The Lost Boys, and Interview with the Vampire.
1: This is the sky calling.
0: This is again. I think I said it like on another episode, but it is a summoning circle, and these are really the five points, like, if you want to summon me, you just need Interview with the Vampire, The Lost Boys, Jennifer's Body, Rocky Horror, and no, no, (laughs) I might, if I don't have anything else to do that night, I might appear for Glee, but it would probably be more along the lines of The Night Before Christmas, or Death Becomes Her, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or even Moulin Rouge, but I'm getting off topic here, because none of them are horror films. (laughs) (laughs)
1: anyhow yes very sky this is like sky law 101 isn't it Mm -hmm. i think that that's really interesting that you name ones that are before you came out because you would have been drawn to them before truly like realizing your own queerness I think this is why certain
0: reason or another, you know. Exactly. I think this is this is why though, because I could I could go on, like similar to you, like the ones that you've named kind of fill in the gaps of probably what my honorable mentions would be, like especially ones like Hellraiser, for example. Mm -hmm. But I only watched that last year. So I feel like I now watch everything with a queer lens, like literally everything. But pre-coming out, I didn't. So I to me, I feel like if it really stood out to me as a queer film. Then it had an influence on me, you know what I mean?
1: No, I completely get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to talk about any in particular in depth? Oh,
0: well, originally I really wanted to talk about Interview with the Vampire because obviously new series has just premiered. Mm-hmm. But it's like I'm in purgatory right now or I'm like actually just in one of the seven circles of hell because I don't have a way to watch it in the UK without buying another subscription And I can't, I can't like maybe when it's all out and I can either get away with just having to pay for a month subscription or get a free trial and I can watch it all at once. But it is painful for me because when it first got announced that they were remaking into the vampire, I like most people were like, why, why? It's like when they like were in talks about possibly remaking the Lost Boys at some point, I'm like, Things existed. The Last Boy is more so, but like things existed at a certain time for a certain reason. There is like a campness to them that mm. if you do now, you can't get away with it. So what did Interview the Vampire do? They just went full blown gay. And I am so I haven't even seen it yet. I'm so happy. At some point I will watch it. Um, but I I would have loved to talk about that a bit more. One, so when I, if I had watched it, obviously I haven't. But one thing I do want to say is to um miss anne rice i need to apologize <laughs> <What>? <laughs> because last no my god not even last year so we've had this podcast now during our first halloween special during days and ghouls we talked about into the vampire briefly and anne rice's um relationship with fan fiction and then in our fan fiction episode we got into a bit more depth about it mm-hmm. about how she was so against the fan fiction and things like that and i had I will admit, I didn't do like super in-depth research because I really thought this was just something that like everybody knew. People, I wasn't telling anything people didn't already know. But I actually recently watched somebody talk about it and I realized I had it so wrong. She, I was kind of talking about how, how, you know, I was saying, oh, I hope she isn't, oh, sorry, it wasn't like against just like the LGBT community and things like that and that isn't why she was so against the fan fiction um and that's completely true like she was such an advocate for the Mm. LGBT community and I didn't even know that and I made it sound like that she wasn't and but I like obviously I tried to excuse it I was like oh no it was during the time and it was a work that meant a lot to her but like if anything she was the one advocating for this series to be more gay and more queer yeah so the like the series that they're making now, from what I can tell, from not yet having watched it, it is what she envisioned and she would love it. Yeah. So yeah, I just need to take this moment to apologize because you know she created one of my favorite things of all time, and I just basically like did not respect the artist the way I should have done.
1: <laughs> Don't you worry. I think your love for it and the way you've spoken about it over the years. <laughs> More than makes up for it.
0: Okay. I know, so I think about that just about the last thirty seconds. People might realise, mm-hmm. but yeah. Do you yeah. want to talk at all more about
1: Interview of Vampire because I have a film slash novel that is gonna link very well to stuff in Interview of the Vampire.
0: Hmm. I don't think I have anything to say that I haven't already. So, <laughs> but now I'm really intrigued about what okay, you're on about.
1: Right, so you know what a lot of people say it's one of the clearest indications of like queerness in interview the vampire people often mention the family dynamic two mm-hmm. men with a child do you ever think about frankenstein particularly bride of frankenstein if you've ever seen it mm-hmm. it's two men making oh. creation together yeah you know like without a female presence mm-hmm. so if we really want to go into like some true queer horror we're going to talk about james whale icon gay director gay filmmaker who was making such obviously queer horror at a time when you couldn't obviously say it, so mm-hmm. like Frankenstein itself has so many little queer aspects to it. Number one, Mary Shelley. People have had their suspicions about Mary Shelley since she was born. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah, if was if, if she was alive today, mm-hmm. let's just say there would probably be, you know, it it wouldn't be so subtle. Yeah, Yes. it was almost yeah, yeah, rumors. Yeah. I didn't actually know this until quite recently there were always rumors that her and her husband would engage in all these like parties Mm -hmm. and that like maybe they were like each other's beards obviously we can never know for a fact but there is like more and more suspicion as the years go by and like more like private Mm -hmm. letters and diaries and all I found I have heard about that
0: honestly I feel the same way about Like gothic literature, as I do about like eighties horror, there is camp and queerness just laced within them
1: completely. And then that's why I think it's so interesting then that a gay director could recognize these things at a time when the general public probably didn't notice it so much. And then he went on Mm -hmm. to adapt Frankenstein, and that is like the version of Frankenstein everyone thinks of. You Mm -hmm. know, like it's alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also did the Invisible Man, which has like a lot of like queer moments in it, and Bride of Frankenstein jesus christ like i don't know if you've ever actually seen that really famous moment when the bride is first like you know awoken and she takes one look at the creature and she just immediately rejects him mm-hmm. she just screams and she's like oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> i like, think a lot of people have seen that as like either I don't know just as a very feminist thing like just because she was created for him doesn't mean she's interested in him you know and it's it's and and especially in bride of frankenstein you also have i forget his name what's his name the helper frankenstein's helper and he's he's played so camply by the actor and the actor was a queer man and it's mm-hmm. like mm, James Bell knew what he was doing.
0: <laughs> there are people like, we he, have to
1: make this together, Doctor. We have to do this, <laughs> and it's just and he like kind of like Loki resents the bride and all these mm-hmm. things. It's, just like, mm, it's so delicious. Like,
0: I and when we it. first like started this podcast, like in like the earlier, earlier episodes, we at least I was like a bit reserved in kind of like reading into things like this because you know we both grew up in like this theme. You know, we went to the same school grew up in like similar areas of like whenever you got like really passionate interested in stuff like that people would think you were weird so then when it was coupled with reading queer subtext into stuff it was even worse like people just wouldn't let you live
1: and just putting it onto it rather than exactly from what is so like subtext just text
0: exactly so seeing all of these kind of like classic novels and just stories that like you know we were a lot of them I happily consumed but were for, forced to consume in school mm. be realized through a queer lens is yes. very validating it's very so validating. validating especially
1: when you do something like watch these queer documentaries and like um critics and all start to talk about it openly and like mm-hmm. not confirm your suspicions because it isn't a state of fact if it's not canon in the text but it, it's like you say it's it, it's validating like it feels mm-hmm. so good that you're like, I knew it wasn't just me, I knew it. (laughs)
0: And And I'm also, I'm obsessed, like, I'm honestly obsessed with just, like, consuming everything to do with, like, especially queer horror at the moment, because so much, Mm -hmm. I think this is another reason why I love Halloween so much, like, I think I literally saw a tweet or TikTok something the other day at being, like, making Halloween your whole personality isn't it, and I'm just like, oh my
1: that was like definitely by a straight person 100 oh, percent.
0: but but this is what I mean though it's like I love Halloween for a, a lot of reasons like not to get too deep into it like it is a big thing in my family for, for many reasons mm. um but as I've gotten older and like started to kind of understand myself a bit more and especially after I came out mm. and I was like it was almost like coming out kind of gave me permission to start watching stuff with a gay lens mm. like even I still might have got weird looks or comments from people it was like now that i was doing it it felt to me like i wasn't reading into it i was gaining from it what i needed and then as i got older i even realized that like oh i'm not actually reading into anything like it was always there it's intentionally
1: put there especially if we're talking about like you know like pre-code or post code, or you know just anything that's like closely around like haze code era film like Mm -hmm. that stuff was put there in that subtle way by filmmakers who wanted queer audiences to know without, you know, being, like, persecuted. It's it's a if-you-know-you-know you know, kind of vibe in a lot of mm-hmm. these films. And that's why so many people can't understand why you're reading into it, because, obviously, they don't have that same lens. You know, mm-hmm. like, people people who are more tuned in can of course notice these things but if you've never really experienced queerness yourself how would you really notice some of the very soul stuff in these films
0: you know exactly Mm -hmm. like because it's even like we just said you know we can't really talk about on like trans horror and things like that because it's not things that we've experienced ourselves like yes being a part of the LGBT community 100% does Give you more. I would say an open mind towards things and to recognize certain aspects of stuff a lot more. Yeah. But you know, like you just said, we can't really comment on it ourselves, and I think that's what a lot of you know heterosexual people kind of either refuse to accept or just see when it comes to certain horrors. Like they will think you're reading into it. Mm -hmm. But I think we've come to a point in time where, like, no matter what your sexuality is, I feel like everybody knows that queer people have. Is it like claimed horror and halloween
1: well it's just as simple as being the outsider being the outcast mm-hmm. like of course people who in day-to-day life are treated like they're invisible or an outcast are going to be drawn to invisible individuals and outcasts in films mm-hmm. and where do you see that more than in any other genre mm-hmm. horror and quite mm-hmm. often people identify with the villain like mm-hmm. that's always been a known thing you know that people like lo- say like freddy krueger a massive, massive, massively loved character mm-hmm. in, like, the queer community. Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street, she, the actress, she constantly talks about how she's had so many people who are queer come up to her throughout her career and say, like, Nightmare on Elm Street means so much to me. For, um, you know, like, my homophobic community was my Freddy and, like, mm-hmm. do you know all these things. It's just so interesting that, mm-hmm. like, even without realising it, queer people are drawn to it. And that's how you know the link is so strong because, like, I didn't grow up in a strong queer community. We both didn't because we're from mm-hmm. a more conservative area. But we were both drawn to horror. But we didn't know that. Like, we didn't grow up in a queer community. And someone goes, "Oh, watch this." Mm-hmm. We individually, we're into those things, and then realize. Yeah. and it's so interesting yeah
0: it's so strange as well because like there are a lot of moments where i look back at my life and i'm like how did honestly how did i not realize it and i know everybody has those. but even looking back now on like these films it's like i'm looking back with on them like two kind of minds like i remember how i felt about them when i watched them and obviously as i was watching them i didn't realize the the queerness of them um, but then watching like thinking about them the the way I've watched them now, I do. I don't really know if that makes sense.
1: No, yeah, I completely do. Yeah. It's not as simple as black and white, like, oh, I saw it through a queer lens or I didn't, or I started seeing it through a queer lens at this age, and da 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 da. da. It's not as simple as that at all, you know? And it's mm-hmm. they're all different texts, you know, it's not like one day you suddenly start seeing all these films through a queer lens. It's like maybe one film you noticed it more than others and y- mm-hmm. you know, it's it's more grey, isn't it?
0: I think it's also interesting because that you have ones like Jennifer's Body, for example, yeah. that a lot of people are like, oh, that's no surprise that it was one of, you know, the ones that I wouldn't obviously even say made me realise I was gay necessarily because it wasn't like it all happened at the same time, but would have been a part of it just being in the back of my mind all the time. Yeah. Like but you watch Jennifer's Body and you're like,
1: do I enjoy this more than other people do?
0: Exactly. <laughs> but we even spoke about it before. Like, people always think like, oh, yeah, especially as a woman, mm. um... People, you know, they think of that scene between um Amanda Seafried and, I don't know, how am I forgetting people's, oh Thank my God. God, yeah, oh my God, <laughs> just forget wow. both of their names. Anyway, everyone knows who I mean. Jennifer and Needy, that's the first time I think I've ever remembered like a character's name over an actress's name. Anyway, but that's the scene everybody thinks of, but it is not. And do you know what's weird? It's not the scene that I think of and I feel like that's how more than anything I knew that I was queer because whilst obviously seeing queer representation because that's what it was even if it wasn't obviously it was toxic and it was uh, performative. Even
1: if it's um, a bit like mm, it's still representation in some form. Yeah,
0: so that that can obviously be a, a part of like how you realise mm. um, you know who you are and things like that but again when i think back on it it's not those scenes all those moments for for some like films i don't even think i can really pinpoint it to an exact moment like uh it's just kind of like an overall feeling sometimes i can like to bring up interview of the vampire again there are really iconic moments in it when like you know Lestat first feeds on Louis and it's like that's queer as hell and then when they're both feeding from the same woman that's queer as hell but Jennifer's body and death becomes her. There is just a campness and queerness yes. overlaid through the, the entire film. I couldn't tell mm. you exactly what, what scene
1: maybe like, me... moments really is it. It's just the general yeah,
0: even see... something yeah, like, even something like Jennifer's body that has a, a really obvious queer scene in it. Mm. It's yeah, it's just not what I think of.
1: Well, I don't tend to go if we are going to say scenes. I know we said we weren't going to talk about like specific moments. Um, but in Jennifer's body, the one I do tend to think of when I think like, huh, a bit of a realization moment is right towards the end when she floats. And it isn't the I go both ways thing, because I feel like that's a bit obvious
0: for me yeah.
1: more in that conversation prior to that moment when Needy's like, Why, why did you need Chip? Why did it have to be him? And it's like, Oh, if you know, you know. Oh, that's
0: so you know true. I, mean, I, I thought you were gonna say day. I thought you were gonna say the hallway scene. No. But that makes even so that one much well. sense. Oh, do you mean
1: when she's like, wear something cute?
0: Yeah, no. that's, yeah, that's what, that's what I thought. Or even, oh, do you know the bit that gets me? And I think, again, we spoke about this before because it's just so queer girl being in love with her best friend because mm-hmm. it's like her closest female relationship. It's when they're at the gig, and Needy's just looking at her and she's like it so hurts it's it honestly horrible. it actually even now it still hurts it's so sad <laughs> um, and like
1: also in the the conversation i'm thinking of as well is when like she's she's condescending like she's been mm-hmm. patronising to needy and it's so because needy is onto her do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like needy's like I know what you are, and so Jennifer like retaliates with like bitchiness when she's like, "Oh, grow up, needy," and like all this, and it's like she's
0: on to her, and she she just is bitchy. That oh, you I love you, it. you froze again. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Where did you um, I think literally after I just talked about the bar scene. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Sorry.
1: No, no, this time's fine. So like in the conversation i was talking about as well there's the bit where needy kind of like she's just like talking to jennifer and saying all this stuff and kind of indicating that she's onto her and is like i know what you are and jennifer's like mm-hmm. grow up needy it's like when she feels like someone is aware of it and clocking her she like retaliates mm-hmm. and i find that really interesting. yeah you know, just mm-hmm. that whole conversation mm-hmm. people always go away from that thinking of that I go both ways but to me that's not the most interesting part of that conversation at all, it's all I them, like, totally agree
0: mm-hmm. I mean obviously there are parts of that film that are really exploitative like we yeah. in our Jennifer's Body episode literally talked about how the marketing was totally wrong um, but this is how you can one hundred percent say it's a queer film. And like I'm not saying it's good for queer representation, but it's good for the little queers like us mm. who were not out yet. And, like you said, we grew up in like quite conservative areas. So there weren't a lot of people we could have spoken to about this um outside of like, you know, possibly family or whatever or like, you know we didn't even speak to each other about this nice. because it's just not. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't even like really something you spoke to your friends about. It's not like I feel like I ever felt ashamed about it. It's because I feel like I couldn't explain it. Yeah. Like unless I said, "Oh, it's because I saw two girls kissing," but that wasn't it. That really wasn't it. And I, yeah, I was like, I don't have the words to explain this. Like I can't explain why. Yeah, like a, either a bar scene has made me feel a certain way, or even like the conversations between needy and jennifer the really average everyday conversations Mm -hmm. them teasing each other i'm like why why do i feel weird about this
1: (laughs) i think what's always really funny to me is like when i think i look back and i like realize like watching a lot of horror films i was always so into the female characters like i never really paid Mm -hmm. any attention to the male characters it was always like the pretty girls in horror films Mm -hmm. like i was like oh i was like huh no, you've no, even said, i liked nancy more than the others
0: <laughs> yeah you've even said before like when we've talked about the lost boys for example like i said how obviously she is beautiful but i've always found star a really redundant character because and I, I don't know why i do but obviously i feed a lot more into the queerness between michael and david mm-hmm. because it's there um
1: definitely a last minute studio decision with, like,
0: so oh, yeah, oh, definitely. It was, honestly it was almost like they'd filmed this whole thing and they were like so intense in the scene and they were like shit okay we need a girl to balance honestly, this out because it's scene, getting way too cold
1: that sex scene feels like reshoot material
0: oh my god doesn't it Mm. like it feels so unnecessary I think when I was showing my partner it um literally like a few months ago or the other month whenever it was when we were watching it I said I even said to her I was like does this feel weird to you does it feel weird that now they're having sex it's like gratuitous like why is this in
1: most vampire films that would be really sexy but in Mm -hmm. that film it just feels wrong and it's because they've set him up as queer yep
0: The fact that David and Michael had more tension hanging from a bridge than Star and Michael did whilst they were having sex just really says it all. The
1: only bit where there was real tension between Michael and Star is in that really voyeuristic scene um, when he first spots her at mm. the like gig on the boardwalk and that's because mm-hmm. they're not actually in the scene and on camera together <laughs> because like as soon as they're like in the yep. same space there's not really any
0: tension and also like... to be fair i'm sorry but if you saw her in a crowd whether you're gay straight it doesn't matter she oh, will be the first thing that you pay oh, exactly I really so i don't even see that as like desire or attraction i just see that as like i don't know he admired her hair or something like that <laughs> <It's>
1: pretty hair yeah <laughs> yeah that's literally what's really funny is that's literally when I was like a kid watching The Lost Boys I was like she just has such nice hair Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: like and I was like oh I want to be her and then I got older I was like that's it
0: oh my god that is so it we've definitely said this before on the podcast but there was such confusion between I think this is also like what a lot of how a lot of people kind of like lied to themselves I suppose because it's like Oh, you know, I don't want them. It's just I have this admiration for them,
1: yeah, and it's 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 you just think like it's just appreciation of the female
0: form. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, People even still do sh- it today. Like yeah. they're kind of like, oh, you know, like you can like really like it's even when you see like fucking I don't know influencer bros, like hyping each other up, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, just like really they just really get each other, and I'm just like. F- you turn not really trying to tell me you can I, I think i've also said this before mm. like in narratives where men are obsessed with men how the fuck you can tell me that's not queer it's the same thing in like today's influencer culture like i'm sorry but there are queer undertones if you're that obsessed like i love yeah but like i like i have female friends and you are one of them that i adore with all my heart but i after i came out can tell the difference between like my female friends who like i really really connect with and then my partner who like i'm totally in love with you know what i mean exactly.
1: <laughs> completely agree i yeah um, like my boyfriend will not care about me telling like the listeners this he'll find it funny <laughs> but basically what's really funny to me about my boyfriend is he is so like aware of quit like he's you know because he, he grew up in where i live right now brighton <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's the queer capital of the uk you know so yeah. there's more understanding and openness and like he was talking to me about this time he saw a band and he was like i was just staring at singer i was like that is the most beautiful man i've ever seen in my life and he just like talks about men in this way and i find it so funny because like i feel like a lot of queer women are very used to like talking about an appreciation of the female form you don't hear a lot of guys openly admit that that's what it is instead of going oh yeah
0: so God. Like do you know what's funny what though say, like, like the, gorgeous yeah <laughs> i <laughs> have so many female friends who are questioning or bisexual or pansexual or yes. just open yes. um who are with male partners yeah and all of their male partners give off queer vibes yes <laughs> do, you know what?
1: do you know what some of the best straight couples are between two people that are very open to their queerness or potential queerness or like I think it just gives you like a bit of a broader understanding of like sexuality in general I don't
0: even think you have to actually be queer it's just like you said it's having there are so many and yeah I am calling out straight people today it's Halloween it's my great given right (laughs) there are so many straight people who are just so painfully straight that they won't even entertain the idea of just admiring somebody. You don't even have. You don't even have to admire someone's physique because not all romantic attraction is obviously mm. physical. You can like really be obsessed with, like you know what, your favorite influencer that you're obsessed with. Mm. If they're all you talk about, and am are the same sex as you, I got that ain't, hell yeah. <laughs> that's that's a little that's a little queer. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that you're gay. You but know what? <laughs> that is something I really do love about
1: horror films. It's like everyone's always got like they're a bit naked and yeah. like even if they're not actually naked maybe there's a top off or like Nightmare on Elm Street classic crop top moment you know like there's like all these like diff- there's a sensuality to horror films mm-hmm. that like y- you really get to explore it through that and I feel like that's why I'm, like you know like say like queer people in the people that are within the queer community and the horror community which if it was a Venn diagram is almost a circle <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, like, those people, they just have such, I feel like, a more transparent appreciation for, like, the human body, and mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes into, like, body horror a little bit as well. You know? Totally. Mm. Yeah. So, talking about body horror, queer horror and all, there's a very obvious elephant in the room, a film we both very much enjoy, and we mm-hmm. briefly mentioned already, which is, of course, Hellraiser.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What a film. What a film. Yeah, what a which I only
0: watched last year. <laughs>
1: who cares because at least you seen it true <laughs> i feel like it is underappreciated within our oh, age group
0: hugely you know, they see like hugely.
1: pinhead and they know it as an icon but they don't seem to like realize like what hellraiser actually is mm-hmm. do you know what i mean there's not as much yeah. understanding about what hellraiser is as there is like nightmare on elm street and halloween and all because mm-hmm. it is hard to explain you know, you—it's not this simple premise like, oh, someone goes around killing people. It's much more about
0: like, it it's really awesome not, and, and it's also not as fun. You no. know what I mean? Like, no. like oh, even God. though it's maybe you no, know I mean exactly. Even like a Nightmare on Elm Street that has like a pretty fucked up premise that like they even feed into the further the films go along. Mm. Obviously, Freddie's like a funny character. Um. Even like Halloween to an extent, like I guess it's because these characters have been memed, but I don't really think Pinhead's been memed, only by not in the same way. I guess, yeah, yeah, and it's it's never been in the same way, you know, like not Mm. like in in a silly way.
1: (laughs) No, I completely agree. I think like the people that have seen Hellraiser immediately can tell that there's a vibe to it, even Mm -hmm. if they don't necessarily think of it straight away as like queer. They definitely notice there's more of like a, a like. Uh, subculture element to Hellraiser mm-hmm. which is obviously because it was written by Clive Barker and directed by Clive Barker, the original film who himself was like a big presence in um, queer spaces and like um, BDSM community don't mm-hmm. know if you know about that I didn't, but it makes a lot of sense. sense. Yeah. Exactly. So like the whole aspect of like pain and pleasure and like, it's so good because it comes from personal experience. Yeah. It's not someone trying to like write about something they're not part of. Do you
0: know what? And this is like a comparison that I bet nobody expected. It's like when 50 Shades of Grey came out. And everybody was, you know, obsessed with it. And I still remember to this day reading it as, like, I was a 16-year-old.
1: Like and I was like, this is shit.
0: Exactly. I was reading it, what and I was like, this is the most vanilla exactly. shit. We've spoken about this in a previous episode, probably like a
1: fanfic one. We literally said we read dirtiest shit in fanfic.
0: But this is what I mean, right? So, and you are so, so right about, you know, I think, I think even in the fanfiction episode we talked about if you're going to write about something, you need to have either a really clear understanding or some kind of experience with it especially yeah. if you're gonna like l- allow that thing to be put out into the public because Fifty Shades of Grey just to go off on a slight bit of a tangent here yeah. was so damaging to the BDSM community because people who had no idea or no experience with it got the complete wrong idea about it and it fed into entirely really toxic misunderstandings about it like Mm. uh, one of the biggest and most important things about bds community is consent yeah and comfort so Mm. like you might be surprised to know if you you don't know a lot about it but it it just is and this is why like something like hellraiser that is the film itself is horrific like it genuinely scares i love it but it genuinely scares me had such a clear understanding of what the BDSM community was. Even
1: simple things like the character that, you know, uses the little like puzzle box, he wants it you know Mm -hmm. like he is the one that uses that puzzle box and he's done his research he knows what it is he Mm volunteers it's not forced upon him is it he Mm -hmm. chooses that and i think like that wouldn't come from someone that didn't have experience in bdsm because like you say a massive part of that community is safety and comfort Mm
0: -hmm. i think it's really embodied in like that classic line which i'm now gonna butcher because bearing in mind i have only seen this film once it's something to do with like when somebody asks the it's like what they are and oh, I think Pinhead like answers like to some god exactly yeah. and I think that is like I don't know what the tagline for the film was but that should have been it I if it wasn't I'm already it, it, mu- it should have been because yeah. that's it's so, it encapsulates the film entirely and like you said I really think it feeds into that understanding of the BTSM community yes. that like that pleasure and pain it's not just pain it's yeah. not it's mm-hmm. it's pleasure and pain whereas like something like Fifty Shades of Grey was just about punishment yeah that's not how it works <laughs> and
1: it's it's just so interesting as well because like you know Fifty Shades of Grey was loved by straight people like it is such a pain oh, heterosexual so heterosexual true. Fan base. yeah and, and it just it alienated so many queer people mm-hmm. and then I guess that's part of why like you and me love like, what <laughs> like, yeah even in say like straight relationships right and watching straight media people that are queer still like experience it through their queerness do you know mm-hmm. what i mean so even mm-hmm. something like fifth shades of gray is
0: like no no yeah
1: no but yeah
0: yeah i don't think we got into this in our fan fiction episode i'm surprised we didn't but yeah just the absolute horrid portrayal of not even just the BDSM community but just, i'm definitely getting off on a tangent here but just like kind of any non-heteronormative relationship you, yeah, you know yeah you know what I mean like thing. obviously yeah. the characters were like male and female but they were trying to infiltrate into I don't even know I don't even fucking know of that series we're not here to talk about it but you know what I mean
1: we want to talk a bit more about BDSM community and maybe mm-hmm. like queer community obviously in both the very big thing is the concept of a dominant and a submissive, right? Mm-hmm. What film perfectly shows that without showing it? Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. Have you ever watched it?
0: I have never seen it in full, but I've seen so many video essays yes. about it. The only reason I haven't watched it Do is because I can't it? find it yeah. <laughs> anywhere.
1: I yeah, note the characters' names, but every mm-hmm. time the more dominant dude is like berating the like someone, it's like he's petrified she's kind of into it and the entire film it's like he's edging i'm not mm-hmm. even joking <laughs> it's like something you like you go yeah yeah okay like maybe people are like really reading into it and that's coming from me and then you watch it and you're like, bloody hell like, and the, do you know something really interesting about it that film the screenwriter was with the actor who plays like the submissive role mind i didn't didn't know that that. he knew it he definitely knew a lot about the queer community like Mm -hmm. and you understand and appreciate that a lot more because i mean like i'm gonna go back to wrote that just briefly mentioned psycho which i will dive into a bit in a minute um he knew anthony perkins was a closeted actor Mm he knew and he cast him and it was perfect and it's like you can think what you want of that but anthony perkins accepted the role and it, Mm -hmm. it killed his career did you know that
0: yeah no i did yeah
1: absolutely fascinating but anyway so rope so queer like they Mm -hmm. talk about the act you never see it but when they talk about it they might as well be talking about having sex do
0: you know what's so funny like we would just we won't reveal it because episode will be coming you know next year but we were just talking about how and we've spoken before about how like especially queer subtext is just our shit like so much more than explicit like scenes or anything like that but yeah there is just something about oh i don't know it's just like a hand touch or a lingering glance we just love subtext. it's more yeah. romantic. do you
1: know it's, what i mean like the relationship yes. in rope. don't get it wrong it has its issues but it mm-hmm. really depends on like what you think of as an issue right so like a lot of people immediately will see a dominant and submissive kind of like re- dynamic in a relationship and be like that's fucked up it's like, not really depends mm-hmm. on the boundaries and if that works for people you know like it really works for a lot of couples you know it just mm-hmm. does and there's a big we-
0: difference between being in like a kind of dominant submissive relationship and being in a relationship with a power imbalance exactly and mm-hmm. that is what
1: happens in rope. and like you know people acknowledge that like the fact that in you know it's literally like being blackmailed about black murder and everything but um it's a very similar thing and i don't know if it's intentional or not scream
0: oh so true do you know what it is though it's because like i don't know how i didn't think this was gonna happen but just calling out like the straightest of couples in the world but like obviously if you grow up straight you know good for you um but you like you're kind of told these traditional power dynamics which is like the male is the dominant and the female is the yes. submissive yes. but then obviously when you get couples that don't have that binary line you get to invent that yourself and it obviously it's so much it's so interesting.
1: What what really kills me as well is like people think that that means inside of a queer relationship um, say where it's like same sex relationship a lot of people think there'll be a more feminine and more masculine one because they want, that's what's safe to them, that's what they understand and then they also think on top of that that the feminine one will be the submissive and the masculine one will be the dominant and it's like not always Mm -hmm. I, I think this think is very interesting when that gets played with
0: i was gonna say i'm always upset maybe this is why, like you know you had like the rise of himbos at one point because yes. i am so obsessed with people who present as predominantly masculine having quite feminine traits well, and then him. vice versa i, love me a him though. I really yeah.
1: do. nothing quite like it mm-hmm. you know and that speaks to say like queer taste you know and like I don't know like we literally spoke about this recently when watching Scream but like how can you watch that and not see queerness in it like I know it comes across like such a himbo Mm -hmm. I just I love it I love it It it's so fucking true so good and I mean we could talk more about Scream and while like it does come across as queer I feel like that's mostly it like it's got Mm -hmm. a massive gay fan base there's that tweet I'm sure you've already shared it on the White Noise Twitter account. Like, why do you love Scream so much? Like,
0: because I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) But like, honestly, you can put like that's just a template. Like, you could put in, and this is the point of this whole episode. You can put in so many horror films. Yes, but
1: what is it about Scream? Because that is the one. I don't know if you noticed it, but when the new one came out earlier this year, it Mm. was honestly like the entire LGBT community just went it it rose up
0: like yeah bloody
1: hell like i always knew it was popular in that like community but like it really like i finally
0: noticed it do you know what a lot of it i believe it probably is is something that like i don't think we've ever really gotten into before but like obviously these films have a really big impact impact for queer individuals Mm. but they also bring people together they find communities like oh you're it's honestly it's like everybody's interpretation of are you a friend of dorothy it's like are you a fan of scream are you a fan of jennifer's body like if you are uh, you know what i mean
1: a little bit too into scream Mm. And then I'm like interesting mm. do you know what I mean and I don't mean like oh they know all the characters names but like there's just a certain vibe you know what? honestly I mean? when it
0: is you know what I mean though it's like when you know you know kind of things but I think this kind of brings it all together is that hot like why Well, no, actually, it makes so much sense why it ended up being horror. But I feel like we've now moved past the fact that horror is about the outcast and it's about whatever, because, you know, we are getting horror films now that don't have that. And yet the queer community is still obsessed with them. Mm. But I think it's because we now have a history of horror being a representation or a safe space for queer people that that's how people they literally find each other you know people have probably found their life partners through these films without even necessarily knowing it and things like that so i think that's why
1: yeah
0: exactly this is why i think doing an episode like this for halloween was so important to us because you know yes we are queer yes we love horror so there was no way you were gonna get away with halloween without being able to do it i think every year we've done it in some way Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but you know to have like an episode fully dedicated to it was important because you know i hope some people maybe are able to find each other through Mm -hmm. even listening to this because obviously Mm -hmm. things are a lot different now to when we grew up you know like Mm -hmm. people are a lot more open about things and honest about things unfortunately it's still not a completely safe world Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do still need this. You know, we've spoken before about how, uh, whether you love gay subtext or you much prefer it to be explicit, subtext is still needed Mm -hmm. because there are so many people that are not in positions where they're able to just be completely out, whether to themselves or anybody else. You know, it's the same reason why, you know, everyone's saying like, oh, you know, everybody should have pronouns in their bios and stuff. But it's like not everybody can because if they're not in a position where they can put, their actual pronouns they could be exposing themselves in a really unsafe situation so conversations like this and films like this are really needed yes. so people can feel safe and realize that you know hopefully at some point in their lives they'll be able to say to somebody you know hey i really like this film you, you know you don't even have to come out and say i'm this exactly. or i'm that yeah, I
1: exactly i think this is also where i want to just say like massive thanks to all the like filmmakers and writers and actors and actresses and all that involved in making a lot of this media because it's like so many careers were destroyed through Mm -hmm. like participating in these things and it's like they've just given so much to a community you know Mm -hmm. like
0: without um, even realizing it
1: exactly say dorian gray you know Mm -hmm. to a lot of people that was so obviously queer Oscar Wilde kind of got noticed a bit more and like that's back then and then James Whale in his era and then Anthony Perkins in Psycho and then like more recently obviously there's stuff but like obviously not so intense but you know what I mean and it's like it's important to recognize like these aren't just things people did really secretively it's like even at the time there were people that completely clocked on and they mm-hmm. suffered for it so i think yeah. it's really important to like recognize their contribution whether they knew they were doing it or not
0: mm-hmm. i think without us even realizing that's kind of what this episode is yeah because is. and you know there are so many things at least in my life that like i you know obviously would like to have thought that regardless of what happened i would have eventually kind of realized this about myself but subtext or explicitness in the background, whatever. These horror films were a huge part of it, and they still are today. You know, like I see people who are younger than me um, who were able to kind of like find each other through them and things like that. And it's just, it's, it's so nice to see. And I can't help but kind of like that it comes from a genre that most people are. You know, it's not a conventional genre. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I just kind of like that it comes from a non- con. I mean, it makes sense, but it comes yeah. from a non-conventional place. Like, it's obviously I want to see more movies. You know, just everyday rom coms and things like that that have queer representation that isn't the sole focus mm-hmm. because you know it's it's they just have queer representation because yeah. it just you know it does exist in the world. But I do kind of hope, at least in my lifetime, we don't lose these these kind of films because even this day i feel like still kind of need them
1: yes especially those ones that are more like subtexty and like you say a bit more like in the background and subtle because those are the ones a lot of people can feel safer with Mm -hmm. a lot of people might who have you know they're so early on in life or like their realization that they don't want to just watch a gay horror film you know it's just maybe that subtext or that background character maybe will help them a lot and help them realize Mm -hmm. things so it's like a lot of the films we've talked about today are kind of more subtle in their queerness they're not so out there and obvious and it's like I think those are the ones I want to continue seeing. yeah
0: that's like I said that's our generation which is why again I'd be so interested to hear what other people's are because there are films coming out you know this year mm-hmm. that are gonna be that for people but they're not the kind of films you know that even existed uh, yeah. God knows what would have happened oh, if they would have existed even, when we were younger uh,
1: even the latest screen film one of the characters is a queer woman exactly fantastic you know and it's it's just there and she's allowed Mm -hmm. to like be hitting on other women and all and it's great and it's she's an interesting character she's already a fan favorite like that's great to see you know Mm -hmm. um, yeah we're wrapping up this episode i just want to say that um like sky said we want to hear your recommendations but also definitely watch these films if you haven't Mm -hmm. already don't just go for the ones where it is evidently gay go for some james whale watch Mm -hmm. some classic horror and see if you can notice these things and um also i've mentioned it already i highly recommend queer fear on shudder Mm -hmm. even if you get a seven day free trial honestly the education i've gotten through that documentary series is incredible and it's just kind of given me way more of an appreciation of these filmmakers and especially anthony perkins because his mm-hmm. son is in the documentary and talks about how he didn't know his dad was gay until he passed away and it's given psycho a new it, it, it's completely changed his view of a lot of stuff and so mm. yeah definitely definitely check that out
0: yeah as usual on instagram and you know twitter and stuff we'll have our recommendations from this episode um but other than that i think that's all we've got to say today this was obviously a bit of a longer episode i you know we could talk about this for hours really we could just go on and on and on um but we'll, we'll we start ourselves that's kind
1: of what the podcast is.
0: Like. i know it oh my god it literally it, there's no like end. we're all always like yeah we'll we'll make this a mini set or we'll make, it was like, well, this will just be whatever it is yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah um, but, follow us on
1: socials like sky said and leave a like and subscribe please if you enjoyed this it really helps and we'll see you in the next one yeah So that's it right. for today and bye
0: Bye.